everyone. Uh, this is Andrea, and I'd like to welcome you to our August webinar and podcast episode. A quick reminder on asking questions. If you're joining us live today, you have the opportunity to ask a question at any time. Just use the Q&A function on your Zoom control panel, and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you're, review if you're viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later and would like to ask a question, feel free to contact us directly at smithinc.com. I'll now hand over to Mark Holton, SmithInc Director, who will be presenting Business Advisory Software, What is the Industry Using in 2022? Over to you, Mark. Well, thanks, Andrea. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, everyone, or good evening, depending where you are around the country. And uh, I know we've got a couple of overseas people online here today. And welcome. Welcome to our slightly delayed August webinar on What is the Industry Using in 2022 when it comes to Business Advisory Software? Um, let me start by saying, I'll, I'll leave that up on screen just to show you a little bit about my background. Um, apologies for the, the uh, postponement of the event last week. Um, it was because of my health issues. I went to work over in Bali in June and come back with Legionnaire's pneumonia and spent a week in hospital and about five weeks at home trying to recover from it. And last week, I thought I was okay, but uh, I just wasn't. So thanks for the understanding with that, guys, and we'll get that. What we were going to do last week done today, one of the reasons I put up some of the boards that I'm involved in is one of my single greatest challenges being on boards of, you know, somewhere like Ronald McDonald House for the last 25-odd years is how do I turn numbers into knowledge? How do I get board members to understand the financial implications? How do we see the financial impact as a board of key business decisions before we make it? And I must admit, when I started on boards 25 odd years ago, there wasn't too many options in software that could take a set of financial information that otherwise uh, was not that readily understandable for non-financial people and give them the sort of information they need to be able to make smart strategic business decisions. So a large number of what we'll talk about today are being used by those organisations you can see on screen. And we're using the tools to help communicate and achieve the goal of turning knowledge into numbers. But the advisory challenge, where do I see the advisory software business as such? And let me also say up front today, I'm not in the business of saying to you, this tool is something you should buy. Uh, you know, at Smith Inc, we're totally independent. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you about what tool you should be looking at going out and talking to. I'm more than happy to have a chat with you offline about your firm, what you want to do, the services you want to offer, and I'll give you my opinion of the tools that are out there available to help you with those services. But um, I, I can't entertain, you know, talking about that in a public forum like so. But the one thing I do know is there's a vast array of software and solutions in the market. They're all designed to help clients understand more about where their business is and where it's going in the future and how we're going to get it there. When I started advisory some 28 years ago, there was nothing really out there apart from Excel, which I call the accountant's love tool, and a piece of software I found not long afterwards called Optimist, or which ended up MYOB Profit Optimizer or CCH, CCH Profit Driver in Canada, or MYOB Performance Manager in the UK, et cetera, et cetera. And what that did at least was that it turned 
numbers into something more graphical that my clients could understand a bit better and we could have quality conversations. Now, there's so many wonderful solutions out there and I haven't seen a bad one. I've got to be honest, I think it's fantastic. I did a presentation recently um, on the line of I wish I was Benjamin Button because I wish I could grow backwards and start my journey again with some of the brilliant software that is on the market today. At first glance, many appear to do the same thing and understanding the differences and how they fit into your business advisory process is critical if we're going to select the right ones for the firm and the right ones for our clients. The challenge of advisory tools and solutions is pretty simple. The state-of-the-art tools are now generally cloud-based. In fact, I suppose these days it's rare not to see a uh, business advisory solution out there that isn't cloud-based. Integration of firm data into advisory workflow. Now, I'm going to make a comment here, and some people might not like it, but I really don't care. I'm too old to worry about that stuff. All I hear out there is buy me, buy me, buy me, and you can integrate your data from your compliance tools into your advisory tool. There's one key thing, and I've spoken about this before on webinars. To get advisory going, you need structure in the firm, the right structure. You need the right infrastructure, as in who's going to do what, when, and how. What services will you offer? How will you price them? How will you explain them to a client? Do you package them? And you need people. The people resource is the most critical resource you have there. But if your compliance accounting Okay, and you can integrate that into an advisory solution, wonderful. But please don't fall into the three-step issue here, and that is simply taking that data. Because if you're in the business of helping your clients build better businesses, run better businesses, make their businesses worth more, do compliance numbers truly give you a perspective of what the client's business is worth? Or do you, in fact, need to use that simply as an integration pathway, then look at it and say, okay, uh, I might need to make an adjustment to revalue assets, to commercialise salaries. Um, I might need to put in a provision for doubtful debts or provision for leave entitlements. I might even need to go back and restructure my compliance reporting to make it more advisory friendly so that integration of data into the workflow, the whole workflow of the firm, is a little bit sharper. Okay, the challenge I see out there is how do I stop advisory software becoming shelfware? And by shelfware, I mean it doesn't get near the client because all we ever do is put it on there, have a look at it, play with it a bit, look at a few reports, and that's about it. We've got to get integrated into our service offerings. We need to get set the right structure and infrastructure in the firm. We need an engagement system that fires clients up to the point that they will openly and honestly want to sign a proposal, and then we can worry about how we deliver it. We need to get the right people on board and train them. Train, train, train. I said to a firm on Monday this week that I was consulting to, that unlike compliance advisory, it's different for every client, it's different for every industry. You can systemise it to a point, but ultimately, you've got to get a better handle on the client, their industry, and the nuances that relate to that industry. We need to develop firm champions, undoubtedly. The champions in the firm might not be the partners. In, so, in fact, with some firms, I suggest it not be the partner. But is it a senior? Is it a manager? Is it an intermediate? Is it a champion within the firm? 
And the other thing we've got to do is we've got to take on whatever we decide to do incrementally, not all at once, okay? Get a win, create a win, get a software solution, a tool, a product, a service. Spend a bit of time integrating it, develop the champions, work out what you're going to sell with it, how you're going to engage clients, et cetera, et cetera. And then move on as the client need dictates. Out there at the moment, there's probably two choices here. Do I go for a broad-based solution or do I go for a single best-of-breed type solution? I mean, some suppliers offer a broad-based cloud solution that endeavour to encourage a firm's advisory services with everything. So it does dashboard reporting, it does budgets and cash flows, three-way budgets, cash flows, forecasts, it does succession, it does this, it does benchmarking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's one solution that's designed to cover all your advisory needs, much like with your compliance tools at the moment. I'm seeing more and more firms making a decision to go to one supplier and stick with it rather than have multiple suppliers providing compliance services. Do you want to do the same with advisory? Uh, you can certainly purchase what you need incrementally in that system. And even though it might not be the best, although they have all the bells and whistles, it does the job. The second option you need to look at is, do I go for a single best of breed solution? Okay, so certain suppliers out there will offer you the best solution out there for budgets and cash flows, for example. But that might necessarily be the one that you're going to use to show a client their succession issues or their estate planning issues or their simple, you know, manage their debtors, their, their inventory, their payable issues. So the choice is yours as do I look at a suite as most of us have done when it comes to compliance or do I go for the best tool that suits the best service? Or do I start with one and move up to the other? You need to do your homework. You need to talk to all the suppliers. You need to get along to events where you can see all the suppliers and have a bit of a chat to them and talk about your individual needs with advisory. So what services do you think clients will expect from us, guys, over the next 12 months to three years? In my mind, I'd be looking at doing the most obvious one, and that's tax planning. A couple of great tools out there at the moment for tax planning to help you along that pathway. I'd be looking at financial planning in my firm if we're not already doing it. Okay, I'd be looking at risk and insurance reviews, succession planning, estate planning, strategy work, business planning, benchmarking, business value indications and pre-lending assessments. I think that is one of the, the sweet spots that's often missed with firms. And that is how do I get my client into shape now so they can borrow money more successfully tomorrow? And how do I get paid for it? My mantra with clients has always been, I will make your business worth more, more tomorrow than it's worth today, which means I need to value it today. I need to have a reasonable business value indication today. I need to have a goal we're aiming at tomorrow. I need to find the gap and start working with the client on the gap. But the one area that I started with in my firm was strategy work. We were too transactionally focused in the early days, using that profit optimizer tool I mentioned to you and showing clients graphs, showing them reports. They loved it. But then the second time when we show them the same stuff, it got a bit stale. 
And the third time it was, oh, we're doing that again. Or your debtors are still out of control. Nothing's been done about it. Because I never offered any services to actually help them. I spent too much time telling them what to do, not helping them. And we had a bit of a, a think tank after a couple of years and couldn't work out why we had such brilliant uptake, but such poor execution over time. In other words, we couldn't hold the client to it. And we sat down and thought, why well, are we actually using software to sell the service or have we really defined the service we want to offer and engage the client, got them fired up, got the plan in place and then brought the software and the solutions in strategically at the right moment. And when we went back to strategy work and did a couple of simple, simple strategic planning sessions with clients, very short, sharp, but also very effective with action planning at the end of it, then we started to get more engagement with the clients and longer-term engagements. So I'd really recommend that you start to think through this process. We start to think through all the other things we can offer them, or budgets and cash flows. I call them action or success plans because I had clients say to me, what do I need a budget for? Um, you never mentioned that to me before. I'm still here, aren't I? I've been here for 15 years. I'm doing all right. Why do we need to go back and do all that planning stuff? So I had to reframe how I solved that. Scenario planning, showing clients the key impacts of decisions before they're made. Believe me, this is where we've got to get the client to. Not much point talking about it after it's made. Managing receivables and payables, okay? Underlying assumptions that require development of a plan for the year. Provide quarterly board of advice meetings. Let me focus on that for a moment. That, in my mind, is the sweet spot. Clients want accountability. They want someone who can help them set the plan and hold them accountable to the plan and jump up and down when the time's necessary, when things don't get done. That's what I do for accounting firms. You've got to do it for your clients. Okay? The quarterly board of advice meeting, sweet spot. The budget and cash flow is the planning or success tool that leads into quarterly board of advice or monthly or two monthly, don't care how long it is. But we've got to start to get more annuity work happening here with advisory, not just piecemeal. Here's your budget, here's your cash flow, off you go to the bank, now you're happy, here's a bill. We've got to start to build the budgets and cash flows into keeping the client accountable and holding them accountable to that plan. That's where the money's made, that's where the annuity work comes into play. Additionally, managing cash and working capital. How many clients have problems with cash and working capital? Managing inventory and WIP. How many clients don't worry about accounting for WIP, but you know they got it? Performance of various KPIs like lending covenants, liquidity, profitability, asset, return on investment, specific things. This is not difficult. There is brilliant tools out there to help you do this and do it simply and easily, not just with one client, but with multiple clients. And it's my belief that doing a top 10 KPI uh, service for the client really hits the, mo the model. Of that top 10, believe me, six or seven of them won't change. GP, net profit, you know, receivables, payables, inventory, pretty stock standard stuff. It's the last three or four that relate to that industry and that industry only that holds the client accountable to specific means. So 
What business advisory services are being used out there at the moment? Well, at Smith Inc., as many of you would uh, remember, we did an event called ATSA, the Accounting Technology Showcase Australia. And we used to do a technology survey, and we've continued that for a couple of key suppliers for a couple of years. Um, also, uh, Business Fitness will do a report called The Good, Bad and the Ugly. Massive fan of that, and they do insight reports on technology. So there's enough information out there. The Commonwealth Bank do an accounting pulse report. There's a new version just being released. I'd encourage you to have a look at that as well. But we found at Smithink, you know, the more and more years we asked, there was trends coming out, but there was solid stock, solid service offerings there. And you'll look at the one that is always there, and it's budgets and cash flows. So in 2021, firms were telling us roughly 80% of firms do budgets and cash flows. Look, I think it's higher. You know, there was a bit of a drop in 2020, but the numbers have always been solid. Look at the next one up, guys, tax planning. I think we've always been doing tax planning. We just never built it separately. We just never accounted for it separately. So we didn't know how much of it we did. But in the years 19, 20, 21, we started to get that data. You've got to track and trace your data. You've got to have separate job codes for advisory, then think what type of advisory work. But overwhelmingly, you can see that budgets and cash flows is the largest percentage of firms. That's the service they're all offering. And so they should too, because advisory is all about future planning, not looking in the revision mirror, looking forward, not back. That's my opinion, at least. The Good, Bad and Ugly report, or the Insight report they did, had a couple of key slides in there. One was what advisory software is being used across revenue domiciles of accounting firms. So from up to half a mil, up to four mil plus. And heaven forbid, life is still as it is. The love tool is still the most widely used piece of software out there in the accounting market. 46% under 500K, up to 52% until I've been locked up for five weeks, 52% up with the four million plus. And you'll notice this is what the good, bad and ugly put out there. And there's a variety of different tools running down the side of the column, but they're not the only ones out there. There's some other brilliant tools that probably fit into other, don't know what not applicable means. Maybe they just don't offer advisory services, which is interesting, isn't it? Uh, I think every firm offers advisory services and everyone I spoke to during COVID did more and more budgets and cash flows, you know? Every firm's doing tax planning, aren't they? Heaven forbid. Of course, we're doing advisory. We're just bucketing it in the compliance side of things. But as you can see, Excel is still a very dominant tool there. And if it suits, my opinion's pretty simple. If you're happy with that and you're delivering services with it and you're making money, then there's got to be a compelling reason to change, hasn't it? But I also believe we've got to get out there and have a look at what's available and make it easier on us and our teams to be able to get the data that we need in front of us and get the collaborative approach moving and the integration happening wherever it's possible. So that's what that was showing. Interestingly, also in that report, it asked, what's your next software purchase? And as you can see, uh, business advisory software was roughly 20% with the smaller firms and holding pretty strong there up to about 24%. We're looking at what advisory software and solutions do I need to make, okay? 
portals interesting up the top too, guys, if you have a look at that, and a few other tools that we tend to use quite obviously in the, uh, in the compliance side. Interestingly, none of the above. Not thinking about my next purchase, not interested in going out there and seeing what's available, okay, or looking at what can I get a better, more efficient solution. A little bit high there, particularly at the top end of town, but maybe they've already got their act together. Who knows? So with that in mind, because time is running out on us, a couple of key conclusions in my point, my view. I wouldn't take on too much. I seriously wouldn't. I'd adopt products incrementally. I'd run my advisory services through a CRM. I think this is the key thing. If you're going to work with me and I'm going to help you get advisory into a systematic process-driven situation with the right staff doing the right thing at the right pay rate, we need to be able to get a client relationship management tool in place. Don't care what you use. There's some brilliant ones out there. Bit of movement in the compliance space with some of the major suppliers looking at a CRM as the front end of the practice management solution too. Another story, we can talk about that offline. But I would most definitely do it. What didn't we do well in the early days? Keep track of the stuff we have to do. And whilst you look at it now and say, I don't need a CRM, I'm only doing a couple of jobs, I'm sure the plan's not to do a couple. So all of a sudden we start to do 10 clients doing board of advice meetings, that's 40 of them. How do you keep track of when they're being done? How do you build the infrastructure behind them to get your administrative team keeping on top of what needs to be done, what needs to be planned leading into these meetings? I get the right structure in your firm, and I think about your infrastructure. What are you selling? What services do you want to go out there with? How do you explain them? How do you price them? If a client says to you, that sounds great, what does it cost? And you haven't got an answer, that sale's potentially dead. You've got to get your act together before you go to market. I develop a strong, repeatable client engagement system and I would put every client through it. Just like every client goes through a strong, repeatable quality assured system in the compliance side of accounting firms. I develop ongoing delivery models that can be developed once and used multiple times because that's when the passive income flow helps to help helps to develop your firm. I get the right people on the board. Doesn't matter about the best software in the world, the best system in the world, the best process in the world. Everything's run by people. That's the most important resource. And if you haven't got it, You've got to look outside. You've got to look elsewhere. But is there someone in your firm that you can champion, you can develop, okay, so that you at the top, the partner in the firm, concentrate on client engagement, client delivery, client enhancement? And my last message today is train, train, train. We all train in tax. I spent 10 years doing tax seminars for MIOB. I know people go to those, Okay. When it comes to advisory, we do a one-day training course and we think we're ready to go for the rest of our lives. We've got to train, 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 particularly our people. Train them in different industries. Train them in different scenarios. Make it, you know, do role plays, do engagement practice. You know, get involved. So the future, where do I see the future? I certainly see big data coming into play. I see leveraging data inside the accounting systems coming into play. And I see real-time benchmarking, guys, and real-time budgeting becoming a possibility for us in the future. In fact, I've seen it in the US already. But a couple of people in the US mentioned to me, this is what we're doing, showed me what it's about. 
So will the future actually be us looking at benchmarking data that's up-to-date, accurate as we see it? Will we be doing budgets and cash flows, okay, and having them in front of clients and they're updated as we speak? I think that's probably the greatest challenge. I think we'll be looking at real-time trend analysis. I really do. And we'll know why one business is performing better than others simpler than we currently do now. And in my mind, it's all about predicting future performance. Where are you today? Where do you want to be in the future? What happens if what we do today, how will it impact the future? Let me look at the financial impact of a key decision and tell you what that will do to your business down the track. And we might be looking at indicators that are both, that may lead to good or poor performance management and have that simply running around on our mobile devices if it's not already there. I think machine learning is going to be something we need to get our head around. I'll move through this one very quickly. Okay, if something has been cognitive in nature that can be captured by a machine, then can a machine actually deliver some of these services or partial services? A machine, in my mind, might be able to deliver direct to the client, but it takes a pretty special person to tell someone something they don't hear, want to hear, does it not? And we're seeing in the medical industry that whilst machine technology is being used, still very difficult to deliver a message to a ill client if it isn't delivered by a human. But how can we automate more of what we do? How can we take the time-consuming the time laborious tasks and automate those more through machine learning? And let me finish off with a couple of key things. I love this uh, model of um, running businesses customer service, obviously it's the Disney model. Bob Iger, if you haven't read his book, get a copy of it and have a look at it. Uh, he said in his book that all change or innovation that have happened in the world are due to people willing to see something more than others see. I suppose looking outside the box a little bit. Where others see roadblocks, successful people see opportunities. Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney for a long period of time, now the chairman, I think he's stepping down from that. His book is called The Ride of a Lifetime, guys. It's a really interesting thing of his pathway. And remember, Iger was the guy who brought uh, the acquisition CEO, who brought, you know, Pixar and the Avenger franchise and Star 2 of Star, the Star franchise into Disney's world. And finally, if anyone's interested, as I always say with these webinars, I'm more than happy to have a chat. I'm at home a lot more than what I thought I would be over this period of time and in the future. But love to have a chat with you about either your business advisory plan or your firm's advisory software plans. And we'll have a chat about, you know, where you are, your numbers, your future goals, your risks, your issues, your aspirations. And then we'll talk about the services you want to offer, the issues you might have, and we'll look at software solutions that might help you individually in your firm. So if you are interested in that, just reach out to me at Smith Inc. Mark, I don't even know what my address is anymore, mark.holton, H-O-L-T-O-N at smithinc.com, and we'll organise a time just to have a chat. No obligation. I just like having a, wor a word to different people in the industry. And very finally, our next event, the first one that we've done face-to-face -face in over two years, the one that's been postponed, I don't know, Andrea, three or four times, is now going ahead. And that's our Young Guns event, the one that we've been running for many, many years. It's on the 10th and 11th of September up on the Gold Coast at the Hilton. 
Um, still opportunities for you or your teams to come along. We've got roughly about 100 people already booked in for this event, so it will go ahead. And APS, and many of you might have read about APS and the Access Group and that, very interesting reading and very interesting to see what happens in the future. Have very kindly decided to sponsor the Young Gun of the Year Award. So they'll be giving away cash prizes and other uh, assistance to people who have wanted to apply for this particular award. So if you're interested in applying for it and coming to the event, just reach out to Andrea at Smith Inc. and she'll uh, look after that for you. So Andrea, with that in mind, I think we're just about at 12.31. Is there any questions at all that have come through or anything else that we need to discuss? Very good, thanks, Mark. Um, just if you would like to ask a question, just type it into your Q&A function there and I'll read that out for you. Um, yeah, the Young Guns obviously is coming up, so the early bird ends on the 10th of September, so there's still a chance to book at the early bird rate. The APS Awards, we're about to um, confirm a new way of applying for that too, which will be confirmed probably early next week to everybody. So if you have been considering applying or nominating someone to be applied, um, there will be a much simpler process for you to do that. So we're looking forward to getting a few more applications through. And Andrew, APS are offering a significant cash award, aren't they? For... Yeah, there's some really good awards there. So um, I think we'll get another email out about that next week or in the next couple of weeks, definitely, just to kind of go through the application process, remind everybody uh, what the rewards are, awards, sorry, and... Um, it will be a good event, as you say, third or fourth time we've had to postpone. Um, it doesn't look like we've got any questions coming. Oh, oh, always I say that. Um, this is probably not a question that you're going to want to ask, <laughs> Mark, but I'm going to, you know, you can just let people know because we have talked about this. Is there an advisory software? From an anonymous attendee. From an anonymous attendee. Is there an, an advisory software? Is there software an advisory you would recommend? software you would recommend above others? Yes, there is. <laughs> Let me know your details. Let's do an assessment and I'll tell you. But it will all come back to what services you want to offer, how you want to offer them. Because like I said earlier, there's a stack of brilliant tools out there. So we've got to analyse the client, your practice, what you want to do, and then we'll have a, we'll have, we'll have a valued conversation. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thanks, Mark. It's very tricky, obviously. Um... Uh, because it's quite specific as well for each firm. It is, um, yeah. Yep. You know, I, I got a bit, Andrew, I got a bit of software 25 years ago and tried to make it do a whole host of things it was never intended to do. And yeah. if I had my time again, I'd work out what the hell I wanted to do, then I'd find something that helped me do it. Yeah. That's right. So um, it doesn't look to be any more questions. John has said thanks, Mark and Andrew. Thank you, John. Good on you, John. Um, if you obviously that's the... Um, right thing to do is to book an assessment with Mark if you're wanting to kind of get a bit more specific information um, and I'll remind that when I send the recording out later today thank you Mark for presenting today it's good to have you back thanks everybody for thank you us. it's great great to be back I've been locked up for far too long which you <laughs> I can see that <laughs> I need I need a face-to-face -face audience Andrea and <laughs> the young guns guys we'll have a good time we will thanks everybody all the best